Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah and welcome to another edition of Tawheed and the Creation uh, exploring the book The Big Bang The Amazing Human Body authored by Budassan Imani and this evening however we have departed from the source material a little bit we're going to be looking at something that's current um, but has an impact on the aspect of Tawheed and the creation as well so it's still in the theme of the program we're going to be looking at uh, coronavirus and we'll be trying to understand what a coronavirus is what an virus is and then also linking that into how we as muslims understand when uh, plagues before us as a society when these challenges come or how we need to interact and understand uh, what is happening so with me in studio as always Bilisali Mani Bilisali Assalamu Alaikum Wa Rahmatullah Wa Alaikum Salam Wa Rahmatullahi Wa Barakatuh Muhammad Fasih and the listeners out there Bilisali as I mentioned, very interesting topic this evening and uh, yes, it's something that's been in the news for quite some time. The cases nationally has risen to triple digits now. We also know that, uh, uh, rather not in the Western Cape, but nationally has risen, risen to triple digits. There's been one or two incidences of infections that have not been from people who've been on travel. So these are... They call it local, 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 um, local, local infections. Local infections. So I think it's crucial that we've taken this path to understand exactly what a virus is, because there's a lot of hysteria around what coronavirus is and what it can do. And there's a lot of fear and anxiety. People are buying out a hand sanitizer like it's going out of fashion. They're buying out essentials and. Many people are looking to isolate themselves. Some people are looking to, you know, many people in quarantine. Some people coming back from overseas and uh, wanting to make sure that they are virus-free before going back into society. So tonight, uh, Bilisali, obviously the first question that comes to mind when we talk about coronavirus, the second part of that word, virus, what exactly is a virus? Muhammad Fasih, um to start off, I think, um, is to describe what a virus is, because this is a question. People talk about virus, but they don't really know what they're talking about. And uh, in our discussion, we thought it would be useful for us just to explain to the listeners what is a virus. A virus is a microscopic piece of organism. Um, we're talking generally before we talk about COVID-19. Uh, generally, viruses are everywhere. It's in the air, it's in material, uh, it's in the water even. Uh, you find viruses everywhere throughout uh, the entire world. They have this ability, they're not living matter, they're almost like seeds. Small, little, tiny, microscopic pieces of organisms that they can live, but they like dormant pieces of life, almost to explain it like that. Uh, like a seed, not all seeds, if you take a packet of seeds, not all of the seeds would, would germinate. Um, viruses are like that. How do they actually germinate? 
a virus will only be able to live if it attaches itself to another living piece of matter, whether it's plant, animal, or human. Um, and then it starts living, so to speak. And it lives like a parasite does. On its own, it can't really survive for long. But the moment it attaches itself to the cells of another living organism, it feeds and reproduces by using the cells of another organism. And we know if we talk about the human body, we have many cells, 40 trillion of them. In the case of COVID-19, this particular virus uh, finds it easier to attach itself to those organs that are linked to our breathing function. So our lungs, our throats, our noses, and so on, and the track, uh, uh, the, 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 the breathing tracks, um, those are the places where this particular virus um, can easily attach itself or more, more easily attach itself to those particular cells rather than the other cells. I don't know if that's too technical, Muhammad Fasir. The coronavirus as such is not something that is absorbed into the skin, but rather inhaled or ingested and then would attack the uh, breathing uh, apparatus of the body. Obviously, we hear the symptoms being throat being sore, nasal drip as, as something else, and obviously that then migrates to coughing, and um, so we're talking about the throat and then the lungs. Firstly, um, what, what would be important to note is that these viruses, um, if they're not attached to a cell of, 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 of a human body, we're talking COVID-19 now, um, then what happens is outside of the body, they live only for a few hours. They have a very short lifespan. There are trillions upon trillions of these viruses all over the, the entire globe. Uh, and uh, they die if they're outside of a living organism. They, they don't know exactly all the habits of uh, this virus, but they say it can live up to 10 hours outside of the body. But the places they, they, that one should look out for are metal. They survive longer on metal, glass, wood, and plastic. Other, other areas and surfaces, are uh, they, they, they have shorter lifespans, but they can live up to, say, nine hours, uh, up to nine hours. Doesn't mean everything that you've touched for nine hours, you mustn't go and touch it. Um, it could be anything up to nine hours, but if we say two, three hours, up to nine hours, um, you must disinfect the areas that's been touched by others, whether they have the infection or not. But they, 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 they in a sense, um, depend 
on it entering the body. Now it enters the body through the normal uh, openings, the nose, could be the ears, the eyes, uh, the mouth, um, and they enter through these openings and once it gets inside, it will be uh, uh, transported th through the body fluids to those organs where it can easily attach itself. And once they're inside and they've attached themselves to, 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 to a living cell, then they can take over the functions of that cell. And that's what makes it um, dangerous. They take over that cell and the, the function that that cell is supposed to perform, say it's part of your breathing operation, um, then obviously your breathing is going to be affected because these cells now use the living cell of the human body to replicate itself, duplicate itself, and they take over the function of that cell to perform something else, uh, which is not what that cell is supposed to do. And then it goes on. More cells are created. Uh, COVID-19 um, cells or viruses, as they increase, they take over more cells and eventually they start taking over the complete organ until eventually you are not able to breathe properly and you develop uh, serious illnesses like uh, pneumonia, which could ultimately uh, uh, be fatal. The voice of Bidasani Mani, this is the program, Tawheed and the Creation. This evening we're looking at uh, the coronavirus and we're trying to understand and explain what viruses are. And uh, yeah, this evening I think we thought it prudent that we would focus on this as this is the biggest issue at the moment globally. So it's an important time for us to understand this so that we know how to engage. When we come back after the break, we will continue. Stay tuned. لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Welcome back to the program Tawheed and the Creation, exploring the book The Big Bang, The Amazing Human Body. But this evening, we are deviating slightly from the source material as we've chosen to focus on coronavirus and uh, particularly looking at a virus, what a virus is, and how it affects uh, the human body. Before the break, we spoke about what the virus is, or what the coronavirus is, particularly as a class of virus, how it uh, uh, spreads within the body, how it gains access to the body. And continuing on from this, uh, but a study, if we look at this, certainly there's tremendous fear in the world. And you hear people saying it's Kiyama, it must be Kiyama. Certainly if you look at the fact that the Haram is virtually empty for most of the day, we see it on television, the fact that um, Umrah has been stopped. When I say Umrah, I'm talking about for international travel. Saudi is not accepting international travel. The fact that people are in lockdown, economies are affected. Many people are asking the question, is this a sign of Qiyama? Is Qiyama at our doorstep? Allah knows, in fact, um, when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam uh, was asked that question, um, he said that answer is only with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
when Kiyama is. But Allah has given us an indication of some of the signs, uh, and that those are explained whether this is one of the signs or not. The way the world is going, we are getting closer to Kiyama anyway. Many of the signs uh, that's been spoken about, uh, we will recognize out there. But you see, we should not be using this uh, pandemic as a means of creating panic out there. If we create panic, we're going to create new problems that's got nothing to do with the coronavirus. For example, the way people are stockpiling. I can understand that people are stockpiling uh, because they don't want to be sitting with a problem that things that they think are essential for their normal household are not available. In, in fact, to be quite honest, my wife also went and bought some stuff that uh, more than what she would normally uh, buy. Um, but we shouldn't, we shouldn't let this get to a point where we think this is the end of the world now. Um, and start doing things um, in panic mode. But the opposite is equally true. We shouldn't also think that, ah, this is nothing, it's just like the flu. And there are two sets of people in the world. The one set uh, would say, ah, this is nothing, it's going to blow away, it's like the flu. Uh, after a few weeks, month or two, everything will be back to normal. The reality is two things. The World Health Organization, the leading health authority on the planet, has declared this a pandemic. Now, the difference between a pandemic and an epidemic is an epidemic is where uh, there's a crisis that affects a country uh, entirely. And a pandemic is where the crisis has spread where it's affect, affecting potentially the entire globe. Um, uh, so the fact that the World Health Organization has declared it a pandemic means that certain laws now kick in. The second part of what makes it uh, not just a question of what our opinion is, whether it is as bad or whether it's not as bad, is the fact that our president, um, Cyril Ramaphosa, has actually declared it a national disaster, which means there are certain laws that kick in. We now don't have uh, a choice about certain matters. Certain things will now be, be illegal, which were previously legal. Uh, for example, how many people can, can uh, uh, gather and congregate um, and, and all the other things. So. Now we have to follow the law, and the moment that kicks in, it has major implications. Major implications, not only for our health. The health, whether we think we're going to get it or not get it, is one part. The second part is how is this coronavirus going to affect not the world economy, not even our country's economy. How is it going to affect you? or your family's personal income. Already I know about people who have lost their jobs. 
uh, people who are on the verge of losing their jobs. Um, I'm even thinking of this radio station. If many of the businesses uh, that uh, advertise on here cannot uh, afford to run anymore, then it's even going to affect the radio station. And I hope, inshallah, it doesn't. Uh, But it will affect things that we can't even fathom now. Um, It will affect millions of people across the world, if not billions, uh, but hundreds of millions of people's work will be affected. Several million of them have been affected already because some countries are in lockdown. Lockdown means nothing happens. No school, no entertainment, no production. The factories are closed. No work takes place. No education takes place. Uh, Only absolutely essential services. And when those countries don't operate, it means nothing happens there. Nothing can be produced. But yet people must live. Um, it's It's a scary, scary, scary situation. And I don't think we must underestimate the impact that it's going to have on us as individuals is not something out there that's going to be happening to somebody uh, you know else this is going to enter the impact is going to enter our own homes now uh, the other question that we are also faced with is the matter of quarantine and isolation so obviously quarantine is when we look at those who have been affected or potentially been affected by COVID-19 or or infected by COVID-19 those people are then placed in quarantine so that they are isolated from the rest of society so that they cannot infect the rest of society (coughs) but then we also have isolation where some people are choosing voluntarily to stay at home to isolate themselves so that they do not uh, come in contact with people potentially who might be carrying the COVID-19 virus. But now, but certainly if we look at that, how do you view this and the logistical problems that might then uh, emanate from uh, people then being taken out of society and sometimes even key people uh, who keep the economy going? Yeah, Muhammad Tasik, this crisis is is so enormous one can't actually come up with the solutions uh, or even think about how it's going to impact on all of us. For example, hospitals are now just about equipped, only just about equipped to deal with the question of quarantine facilities. These people who came back from China, the 122 people who came back from China, do you know what an enormous task it was to find a place that was suitable to quarantine people, only 122 of them? They had to search for the ideal place with the ideal facilities that could meet all the uh, quarantine requirements. What if it runs into thousands or several hundred? There's not enough facilities, formal facilities in the hospitals. Um, And we're going to be sitting with a problem. So we're going to have to, as people ourselves, we will have to consider how to self-quarantine. And to self-quarantine means... Not only you must stay at home, because that's the easy one. 
But a person who is affected um, and tested positive for the virus, if you want to self-quarantine, you must basically create a situation in your, in your domestic environment where, say you are affected, then you must basically be cut off from the rest of your family. If you want your food, they must put your food at your door. You must open the door and go fetch your food. You can't use the same bathrooms. Uh, you can't use the same, same crockery and utensils. Um, and there comes a nightmare. Um, some people who have maybe bigger dwellings, uh, homes, uh, they can do it. But what are the people, the average person who lives in a normal house where you don't have the extra rooms and facilities? It's going to become extremely difficult. The downside of this is um, that if we are not able to quarantine uh, and have the facilities available for everyone who, who's, who's tested positive, it just means that the virus spreads more rapidly. And the more it spreads, the bigger the impact on not just our local environment, um, but also on, 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 on the entire globe. Because we, we, we live as part of one, one, one planet. It's impossible to cut out all the contact that we have with the rest of the world. Our goods must be exported. Some of the stuff must be imported. Even if you do it remotely, uh, the contact with people, all seven billion people can't live on their own. <laughs> it's, it's gonna, it's gonna, so we must limit the spread of the disease. And hopefully, if we get a vaccine um, that can effectively uh, 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 deal with this uh, virus, um, we can minimize the effect. But for as things stand now, no matter who's making what claims and all this uh, fake um, uh, news. news about Palestine has developed the virus. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. Uh, and then Malaysia developed the virus, uh, a, a vaccine, I mean. Uh, and now Trump is claiming uh, that they have made advances. They're all going to make claims. As things stand now, nobody has developed a proper cure for COVID-19. The voice of Bilisani Mani. This is the program Tawheed in the Creation. This evening, uh, looking at uh, COVID-19, the coronavirus, and uh, we are reflecting on the challenges with uh, living in a society that is isolating itself. Uh, we're talking about the aspect of quarantine and self-quarantine as well. When we come back, we will continue. Stay tuned to VSC 91.3 FM. لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله السلام عليكم ورحمة الله Welcome back to the program Tawheed in the Creation Exploring the book normally The Big Bang The Amazing Human Body But this evening We're focusing on an aspect of that Looking at uh, viruses But particularly coronavirus And uh, before the break We were looking at the implications Of this virus For the South African community For us as uh, individuals And Rasani uh, One of the things that I wanted to Maybe just revisit And that is The difference between 
COVID-19 coronavirus and a normal flu virus, normal you know, f- everyday bug that people get that obviously they would then go to a pharmacy, you go to a doctor and get medication and treat themselves with? Look, I'm not a scientist um, or a medical doctor, but my understanding would be that the COVID-19 can be considered as part of the family of flu viruses that we have. It's a different strain uh, and it has a different origin. Um, But viruses, a flu virus mutates every year. That's why the vaccine that we had for last year is not as effective this year as it was last year. Why? Because what happens is that the virus itself as it uh, enters the body, the body's got its immune system that fights the virus. And as it fights the virus, the virus changes in order to fight back against what the body is trying to do to prevent it. So it changes in form. And as it changes it, 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 it in form, so the body finds it more difficult to respond and, 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 and fight the effects of the virus. Now, the coronavirus is a virus that's unknown to us um, from a human point of view. Um, we know generally what it is, but how to treat it? Because normally what you do, a flu vaccine is based on you take a sample or a strain of, of that actual flu vaccine, you create it, a small portion of it, and you create um, a method of working out a vaccine that can um, fight the bigger one. So you take a smaller one and let the body come up with a, 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 a way of fighting it. So it's almost like um, you inject a mild version of that sufficient for your body to work out a strong response to it so that when the big one comes, it's already got its ammunition in place. Now we need to do something like that with the, with the coronavirus, but so little is known about it. And the ability that it spreads is a problem. It spreads much faster than the other viruses. And number two, um, the way it mutates and changes is another reason. But it's important to say that um, if you have symptoms that's flu-like, rather be safe than sorry, because it, 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 it affects those things in a similar way that flu would, like for example, you get a fever, uh, you, you, you can't breathe properly, uh, and you get sore throat. Those are the three things that you must watch out for. Um, you, you, you quickly out of breath. Now, some people would normally have that um, and would say, yeah, but that sounds like flu, it's flu. Don't, don't take a chance. In fact, what you should do is actually get thermometers. Don't go and buy out all the thermometers in the world, but at least have a thermometer. But if it is a thermometer, you get different types of thermometers, ones that you can just... Uh, check people's temperature without even touching them. 
it's a, it's, 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 it's a, a non-physical thing. Then you get one that you can check, for example, in the ear, where you put it in the ear, and the other ones, of course, you put under the tongue. Um, it would probably be better not to use the ones that you use under the tongue, but if you can't get anything else, uh, then rather get that, but get a thermometer in the house, but make sure that you obviously clean it before anyone else uses, else uses it. The temperature, normal body temperature is 36.5. That's the average body temperature. If it goes up more than one degree Celsius to 37.5, then you should consider yourself as having a fever. If it's a Fahrenheit uh, uh, um, uh, thermometer, then the normal uh, temperature is about 97.8 or say 98 degrees Fahrenheit, if it goes too close to 100, then you must know you've got a fever and then go and seek medical attention. And also be clear about the fact that your, your thermometer is reading in Celsius or Fahrenheit. You don't want to think that you've got a 99 degrees uh, temperature. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make sure. Otherwise, you might, you might take your temperature and realize that you're actually dead. <laughs> <laughs> No, you must, you must make sure that you are reading uh, and it would be useful to, to actually scribble it down somewhere or make sure that you know what the, the normal temperature is and what fever would be considered. So 36.5 is normal, uh, 37.5 and higher is when you are considered to have fever and um, for Fahrenheit, it's about 98 degrees Fahrenheit and if it gets to about a hundred or more then you know you actually have fever. Now uh, but certainly what are the lessons that we can learn from this pandemic because obviously within this there must be a lesson for us as Muslims and even in struggle and in difficulty there must be benefit for us that all this part of this place there. So how do we understand with the challenges with all the hysteria that's happening how do we understand this and how do we learn from this experience as Muslims? <laughs> Muhammad Fasih, the one thing that we've realized is just the rate at which the virus is spreading, how interconnected the whole planet is. That should remind us that as human beings, we're part of one species, one human family, whether we are Muslim, whether we are different nations, whether we speak different languages, whether we have different cultures. Human beings are part of one human family. Um, and we must remember that as Muslims, it's particularly important for us to remember that everyone, no matter what their current religion is, they are potential Muslims. Everyone is a potential Muslim and we should treat them like that. Tomorrow, if they accept the kalima, then they are better than us. Uh, so we should not use the fact that we are Muslims in a negative way. The second part of this is, I would say... We, we've taken everything for granted in our lives, uh, mostly, almost all of us. At some point, we forget to be thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we are, there's a hadith that says that's five things um, that you should make maximum use of, that if it's taken away, then you only uh, realize how important it was. Of course, our health, we only appreciate our health if we are ill, then we realize how important it was to have health. 
we only realize how important it is um, to have free time until we get so busy that we don't have time to do the things. So we must utilize it correctly. The other thing is that the Hadith speaks about is our wealth. We should never take our wealth for granted because there will be a time when your wealth is removed and you will be in need. And then it's, of course, your youth. When you get older and you haven't made full use of your youth, then you will only regret it. And of course, the final thing would be use your life and appreciate your life before death overtakes you. Now, if we say all of these things, how does that consciousness now uh, get elevated to a level where it changes our attitude to how we are currently living our lives? Are we still going about our lives, our lives in the careless um, and disobedient, heedless manner that we've done up to now? Or is this virus pandemic a wake-up call for us to relook our lives entirely? How are we living with our families? Are we ready to put in place the kind of mechanisms, support mechanisms, if our families are affected directly by this virus to support one another? We should be having discussions with our close families to put in place all those mechanisms so that when the virus hits us in whatever way, whether it is isolation or whether it is quarantine or whether it is hospitalization, that we've got the mechanisms in place to support one another. That means we must become less selfish and we must actually care for one another in the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would be pleased with us. Personally, so how do we as Muslims respond in terms of not just externally in assisting one another, in looking after one another, in assisting the weak amongst us in a time of challenge like this, uh, who are the most vulnerable, but also how do we then turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? How do we, how do we make Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala part of our plan of, should I say, action in a sense? This, this would require a long answer, Muhammad Fasih, but... The short answer, and if time allows, we should get back to it because it's something that will always come up. Where does this virus come from? The virus, like any other illness, comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes, we can say, yeah, but it came from China. Nothing can come from anywhere or be created anywhere um, Everything comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Let me first make this point. Everything, every illness, every sickness, every disease, every virus comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as the creator of that is also the one who creates the cures for every illness and sickness and virus and disease that we can think of. There's the question that can arise, which is maybe not the opportune time to go into that. But how can we say it comes from Allah? It doesn't sound as if Allah as the all-merciful would be creating such a crisis. That's a question that we can, if time allows, uh, and you feel it's important enough, we can try and unpack and explain this in a better way. 
But if we believe that everything comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and nothing and no one in the entire universe can create anything. You must remember if you say anyone else did create or, 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 or um, is able to develop something that was not created by Allah, you're actually putting that person or something up as a partner to Allah. And we don't want to be doing that. So if we say everything comes from Allah, then know that the source to all our problems, whether it is for the virus and the effects of the virus or the consequence of us losing our, our work and our income or difficulties in finding space at our homes to accommodate one another when they have the illness, all of those solutions we can only find if we turn our faces to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and become more cognizant that Allah is the only one who can supply all the answers. Turn back to Allah in sincerity and remember when things do get better, Amen. don't forget how things were the day before when things weren't going well. This is one of the ways that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is testing us, in fact the entire world, to see whether we will turn our faces to Allah and be in remembrance of Allah, not only when we are in need, but also in times when we are comfortable and at ease and everything is going extremely well. But Sani Mani, shukran so much uh, for joining us this evening and uh, yeah, just giving us a glimpse into what exactly we are facing as a community and uh, may Allah grant us that with this illness that Allah sent, uh, this difficulty that Allah sent, may Allah send us the cure soon as well and may Allah protect the vulnerable amongst our community and the, the, the those who are most at risk, inshallah, and everyone else. Amen. I mean, inshallah, Muhammad Tasir, just to, to say to the listeners, just one small thing um, as a reminder, everyone has told you what to do and what not to do. I just want to add one other thing, and that is, we are all told what are the good things for a good, healthy lifestyle. All of those things must be revisited. Eat properly, sleep properly, do exercise. Those kinds of things must be revisited. Take your vitamin tablets and do the things that you know are, are, are important. Uh, make sure that those people who are ill, that without going into panic mode, that who are currently ill, that you take special precautions to prevent them from coming into contact with anyone. Don't even take a chance with anyone who could possibly be infected or bring the virus because they will be the first ones who will be uh, infected with the virus. And as a final reminder, look into the mirror again. <laughs> look at yourself and see yourself as one of the miracles that Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created and turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as the one who will supply us the answers at the right time. We hope to see you next week, inshallah, and, and, and continue with our normal program. Uh, Sukran very much also for your favorable comments. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And from myself, Muhammad Fasih Peterson, I'll speak to you again, inshallah. I believe assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah and have a good evening further. لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله لا حول ولا قوة
إلا 